you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets. It's Friday. This is your NBA betting podcast from the Action Network brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined this Friday, Brandon Anderson is off. He's not feeling the best. Hope Brandon feels better. Joining us this week, Jim Turvey. You can find him in the Action Network app and on Twitter at TurveyBets. He is my guy for WNBA analysis. I cannot wait for the new WNBA. I cannot wait for WNBA free agency. I was listening to something today talking about Candace Parker. She's going to LA. I, I started like thinking about like, is it worth a long shot prop there for title? If she brings some, some friends with her, sorry to interrupt, but I, I just had to hop in. <laughs> Very exciting. I'm, I'm hoping that we get some fireworks in, in, in WNBA free agency, but he's here to join us. And as is Joe Delera, my guy, Joe, you can find him on Twitter at Joe. I got to ask you something. Everybody else has like a cool Twitter name. And then there's, Joe Delera, like you don't, you're going to have to come up with like something. Even Brandon has Wheaton Brando. Like I, <laughs> I you know, it's just, it's just like the law in me. It's just like, it's got to be like cut and dry a little bit. Like people need to know where to find me. <laughs> uh, maybe like bet counsel or something like that. Like, we'll just like, we'll, we'll throw in the, the lawyer and the betting and do it all together yeah. at the same time. Be good. Then I can lose my fake, uh, my fake Twitter check mark. There you go. Uh, don't <laughs> worry. You can, you can buy it back uh, for $8 in the future. I'm sure uh, you can find Joe on Twitter and in the action network app at Joe Delera. That's J O E D E L L E R a uh, on this episode. We're going to talk about who's going to make the playoffs. We're going to talk about yes and no bets. The ones that are available in the market. We're going to talk about where we think the value can be found for playoff centric futures. We're going to talk about prop strategies for 2000. 2022 because these two are in my opinion some of the sharpest people i've come across in terms of analyzing the prop market and then we're gonna do friday best bets we usually don't get around to doing friday best bets uh on our friday show because uh how can i put this brandon does football and doesn't have the bandwidth for it um and so we're gonna go ahead and i'm gonna make these two give us some best bets because fellas had myself a good wednesday it was a great slate i had so many bets and was like every time i love a slate like that i think it's gonna be terrible like yeah I've had so many experiences where I'm like, I like this bet and this bet and this bet. And I'm like, 
I have all these bets. And then you look in the app and it's like midway through. It's like third, it's like fourth quarter. And you're like, you are three and seven. And you're just like, I hate my life. Came out ahead though last night, did pretty well. So uh, we do have some best bets for you as well. We're going to start, however, with this question. Who's making the playoffs? Okay, so we're going to start with the Eastern Conference and we can go through the yeses that are pretty obvious here. I think it's no surprise. The Milwaukee Bucks are minus 10,000. The Cleveland Cavaliers are minus 2,200. The Brooklyn Nets are minus 500. I'm high on the Nets right now. That that number feels a little high considering how unstable they are. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are minus 450. The Philadelphia 76ers are minus 420. After that, I think it gets a little bit interesting. You got the Miami Heat minus 300. The Raptors minus 300. The Bulls plus 138 are first plus team on the board. The Wizards plus 225. The Knicks plus 225. The Pacers plus 360. Oh, good. I get to talk Pacers again with Joe. And the Hornets <laughs> plus 1500. So let's just go ahead uh, and start here. Jim, we got those odds from FanDuel, but you know, yes, no, whatever's in the market. Is there anything that you feel like gives you any sort of edge when it comes to playoff odds? Yeah. Eastern conference wise, I, I think they've, they've pegged it pretty well. Um, I was looking through this before and, you know, when you're looking through, sometimes you'll like try to talk yourself into something you'll be like, Oh, I, I wonder about that. I just kept it coming back to that. Eastern conference wise, it looked pretty good. Um, you know, the order that they had, I thought was pretty good. And in terms of the offerings for yes to make playoffs, I didn't see anything that grabbed me in particular. Um, I think on the on the flip side of that, if you if you go around the market and you you look for some of those miss the playoffs, you might be able to find a little bit of an edge in the East. Um, the team that jumps out to me there is the Hawks. Um, they they've had like a pretty stable health season so far, and they still haven't looked all that great. Um, now I don't know if they have any moves in them. Um, you know there'd be no benefit to them missing the playoffs, but uh, so there's nothing dragging them down there, but the East, the East has, you know, 10 pretty decent teams right now. Um, and then if you get in the play in, you know, anything can really happen. So um, if you look at the flip side of a Hawks um, to, to miss is one that, that kind of grabbed my eye, but, but overall um, I'd, the only one that was a yes, that even vaguely caught my eye was Chicago. And I like the Hawks no far more than a Chicago. Yes. Mm, okay. I think I'm a little higher on Atlanta. They're talk about this. They're frustratingly inconsistent. And usually those are the teams that I circle as like bad, 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 bad. Uh, but <laughs> how can I put this? They're consistently inconsistent. And what I mean by that is I don't think they're very prone to like long extended losing streaks. I don't think that they're prone to, I don't feel like I can bet them night to night. I've started like really trying to avoid Atlanta for the most part, unless it's a really juicy spot. Um, trying to avoid them on a night-to-night basis because you don't know what you're going to kind of get, right? They have nights where it's like they come out and they look absolutely phenomenal, and then they, the Cavs come into town and just smack them, or the Sixers without Harden and Maxi beat them. Th- they're really inconsistent, but I feel like they're consistently inconsistent in that they win the same number of games kind of regardless of opponent. Uh, I, I think for me, the no that I, I'm, I would be looking at tentatively is actually the other Southeast Division team, and that's the Miami Heat uh that offense is is bad uh which honestly gives you a little bit more concern for boston given that they put up a big number on boston couldn't get the stops because nobody can stop boston right now uh but i have a little bit of concern with jimmy butler already missing time this has been the thing that everyone's been worried about forever is when are those minutes that he played under tibbs where he played 45 minutes a night for years and years when's that going to catch up with butler if we continue to see him missing time this season after 
ex- two extended playoff runs, right? These extended playoff, really three, if you count the bubble, I think there's maybe a little bit of an opportunity to fade the heat. The question I think you gotta get to is like, all right, who's 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 locked here? Like Bucks are locked, Cavs are locked, the Sixers, I think, are locked. Uh, I will say the Raptors. I actually think the Raptors are gonna are gonna make the playoffs. They're just yeah. they're really like they had a they got jumped up and down on by the Pelicans. I watched that game today and they were just they gave poor effort, but I still kind of think that the Raptors have the formula to get through. Uh but at least three spots. And so there's a little bit of stuff in the up in the air. Joe, do you have a, a a play on the Eastern Conference in terms of playoff betting that you think there's some value? I think that uh, I think that honestly, like the Knicks are. Like, this is so homer of me, but like I think that the Knicks, like they are plus two twenty five to make the playoffs, uh, or like right around there right now. Um, and I think it's interesting because I don't think that they're bad, and I think that they have moves that they can still make. Um, they have a lot of tradable assets. Uh, whether they're good tradable assets is a different question, but there are <laughs> tradable assets. Uh, and like they have contracts that they can move. Um, so like a Fournier contract could be somebody that's good on a different team. You have younger players with like, there's a mix of like contracts and talent. They don't necessarily align, but they have them. So uh, they the Knicks have pieces that can be moved. And you have a guy like Jalen Brunson at the top who I think has done like a pretty good job, at least helping this offense out. So I think at plus 225, I kind of like them in a spot like where they could, you know, I I think that they should be within the play-in range. That's not the thing that I'm concerned about. Like they have no reason to really tank. Um, So I think that they should stay in the play-in range, whereas some of these other teams, like if I'm looking at it, like the Pacers, as much as I like them, we we aren't sure if they're going to sell all their assets. Right. So at the price that they're at, you know, they're they're twelve and nine. But when we look at that, that's only three games ahead of the Bulls in the loss column. Mm. So it, it's the the fall could be rapid or like out of nowhere, and we're just like, oh, all right. Well, now they just traded everybody too. So I, I, that's my only concern with the Pacers, as opposed to like I think you bet the Pacers night to night. And then you can bet a team like the Knicks where you're like, well, if they are going to trade guys, it's probably to get better. It's not to get worse. Um, and I think that their floor is fairly stable with a guy like Jalen Brunson at the top. So I think at plus 225, they should be within, you know, the seven to 10 seed rank. Uh, and you can even get that, like, depending on the market spot, like at around even odds, just to be in the play-in tournament. You know, there are, I, I often talk about, how there are not there there the idea of a trap line is is false. It's usually just not accounting for where the books have them power rated, or the home court advantage of one team or the other. Like so, oftentimes when somebody's like, "Oh, that's a trap line," it's like, "Well, no, it's just you just need to understand what where they think the market will go, and they can't put it at the number you think it will because it will instantly get bet the other direction." Um, however. I will tell you that the trap line of trap lines for me personally is the Washington Wizards uh, yeah. to make the playoffs in this spot. This is like I when I looked through this, I was like, "Ooh, the Wizards!" Like that's and that's exactly the type of team at two twenty five. That's exactly the type of team that I, in the past I would be like, "I think they could do it." You know, this team is good, and Kyle Kuzma's played really well, and Kristaps Porzingis. Not this time, Satan. Not getting me today. Uh, I'm not falling for it with the Wizards. Look, I do think the no Wizards way. are actually playing some pretty decent ball. My biggest issue is I, I have a real – most teams in the NBA, you feel really good about their superstar and everybody else. Like the Thunder, you're like, Shea Gillers-Alexander is amazing. And then everybody else, you're like, wow, there are just some dudes on this roster. 
And the Wizards is the opposite, where I go through their roster, and I'm like, I like that guy, and I like that guy, and I like that guy. And you know who's playing really well? And then we get to the leadership, and it's Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis, who can't play 10 games without getting hurt. And I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. If I bet the Wizards, Bradley Beal will absolutely voluntarily have surgery on something to end the year and be out. That is absolutely what will happen if I bet that. So I'm not going to bet it. Um, It's interesting that I I mentioned the Nets. Okay, so in the the marketplace – there is a on the nets a plus 425 for them to miss the playoffs entirely i bet them to win the division this week and i may bet them to also miss the playoffs at plus 425 and there is nothing that kind of encapsulates the nets more than that joe it's the extremes uh in the market i mean brooklyn's just so like they really are just hit or miss i mean like their offense has been good um, where it's like kind of come around their eighth in their eighth and adjusted offense. I, I I think that Brooklyn can be good. Like they have the tools to be good. Um, I just, it's just like, are they going to, are they going to like, like each other enough to do so? I mean, I don't even think it's liking each other. It really just comes down to this because they are, I've talked about this a lot. I mentioned this on green dot daily on Wednesday, uh, daily betting show, set your daily betting agenda, finding the action network app. I mentioned that the nets are, Top 10 in both uh, both half-court offense and half-court defense, and top 15 in transition offense. Their only weakness is transition defense. That's the only area where they're, now they're terrible in that, but that's the only one where they're pretty bad. Um, yeah. And it really just comes down to this. It's not even the chemistry stuff, Joe. I think they like each other. I just, I don't know if Kyrie Irving is going to fuck it up. That's yeah. really like that. All this comes down to is I just don't know if, if Kyrie Irving is going to fuck it up. Let's go to the Western Conference. And I think there's maybe a little bit more opportunity here because this conference has not honestly been, I think, as good as we thought it would be, right? The Wolves yeah. haven't been as as awesome. The Warriors and Clippers have both started off very slow. And so I think there's a little bit, maybe a little bit more opportunity here. Um, Jim, when you look at the Western Conference and the playoff props, what's one that catches your eye? Yeah, um, I think in terms of a team that, I th- I think the market's still a tiny bit low on. I I think the Kings are still the the market seems to not quite have picked up. I think this Kings team is very legitimate. Um, now one thing to think about is they've had a very good health record. That's one thing I keep finding myself um thinking about when I was looking over this. Uh, mm-hmm. p- in terms of looking at Pacers as a yes, I was like they have had no hiccups so far when it comes to health. Turner I think missed three or four games. Kings have been very healthy, and the team I kind of compared them to in my mind is the Blazers who a week ago, I think we could have said that like, you know, they, the Blazers looked great a week ago and now a couple more games without Dame suddenly it's like, Oh, you know what? Maybe a couple of those in a, in a, in a league where that's as deep as it is right now, one player can actually swing things and, you know, swing a couple of those two point wins and the two point losses. Um, but as of right now, getting plus money on the Kings is, is one that grabbed my, grab my attention. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys kind of, uh, so maybe I can, I can wait till we're in a more broad conversation, but I'm just curious if you guys think about how, how heavily you weigh the play in aspect of this bet. So if it's a team that you think is going to be in that seven through 10 range, are you seeing it as like a hedge spot? Are you seeing as a team that like, if it's a high variance team, does that hurt them or help them? Uh, it's something I found myself coming back to a lot as I was looking, looking through some of these odds. I think if you're looking at hedge, it needs to be at a pretty big number, right? You're basically yeah. it's like you better you better really see something. And it's one of the reasons why I don't necessarily love the Kings prop on this. Like I I have them, I have so much money on their over, and I'm quite content with that. You know, the Kings at our podcast sponsor FanDuel are just plus one thirty four to make the plan. 
I don't want to be in a spot where I need the Kings to absolutely win a basketball game in order for me to make money. That's never a spot that I want to, to like a, a do or die situation. There would be so much because here's part of it. There would be so much pressure. Usually the playing teams are like, whatever, they get to play kind of loose, right? Like, you know, the Wizards two years ago were like, whatever, we're just going to play and Brad's out. Like, we're just going. If you're in that spot and you're trying to end the streak, the Kings are going to be under immense pressure, likely as a dog, maybe twice to, to get yeah, in. At that point, you can probably get 134 then. So I, it, it, yeah. it it's one that yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to to do now when right. you could probably do the same thing in the future, which was kind of why the, yeah. the hedge mindset came into play. I think once again, I have, I do have a couple more on the flip side, the the no side that are more intriguing to me. Cause I like, again, I like some of the longer odds. Cause at this point, you know, if, if it's going to be like a coin flip, you can mm-hmm. wait out some of those coin flips. Um, the two that grabbed me were the Mavs, um, which, uh, you know, again, talking health, if, if Luca goes out for any stretch, I cannot see that right. team doing anything other than plummeting. And, you know, I, I think some of we talked about is, you know, he, he had Euro basket to over the summer and, you know, that was great. It got him to start the season in, in good shape, but I want to see if in the second half of the season, we're like, Oh wait, maybe that wasn't so good because now he looks worn down and is picking up injuries, um, you know, from having played, you know, 12 straight months. Um, uh, the other one that, again, these high variance teams, Clippers, um, last year, they look great without their stars. This year, they don't look as good with when their stars aren't in there. And Kawhi, uh, who on earth knows what, if he'll, if he'll play, he could come out and play 45 minutes and I'd be, I wouldn't be like, who knows with him. And then Paul George, Again, he he just ha- he hasn't played enough games to to be a consistent, reliable person. Where you're going to get, you know, you can get plus plus three ten somewhere out there um, to miss the playoffs. I think that you know that's that's not a bad bad dart to throw. I uh, I'm with you on the Clippers. I think that part of a big part of why I like that Clippers bet uh, in terms of them missing or being in that situation is they if if this is like a hedge opportunity. When you're looking, we are getting like a, a bit, like a roughly like a three to one odds on a price like that, um, depending on depending on the book. Uh, you know, you're going to get a good hedge opportunity because they're either going to miss, like because Kawhi's maybe not playing, and then you're you're looking at like a great spot. Or if Kawhi plays, because they're just like maybe he sits like a lot, and then they're they are in this situation, and then he's like, all right, yeah, you know what, I'm healthy now. Um, you're going to get a good number on the other team to kind of bet against them. So I like that. And I think that like their, their offense has been so bad. Um, they're 29th in adjusted offensive rating at this point in the season. Like it's, it's odd because they have a lot of the same guys, but it's just like, it's not working for whatever reason. It's just not working this year. And I don't know if it's one of those things where it's like, well, should we be expected to change? Or is it that like, it's just like a bad locker room kind of, thought process right now where it's like you have guys missing time Kawhi like I think it's probably frustrating if you're on the team and it's like dude like when is Kawhi gonna play man like this guy's been out for like three years and it's like it's not really his fault he's got injuries and they're trying to manage it but you know at a certain point I think it's frustrating I'd imagine it's frustrating for your teammates yeah I don't think I want any piece of the Clippers that's that's a, a Brandon Anderson favorite was the is the Clippers and a little bit of the Mavs too um the reason I don't is they're six and four in their last 10, right? Lost a road game to Utah. And that's with 
like if you look at the overall like look at the overall record right like the clippers are 13 and 10 they're fifth in the western conference despite having the 29th ranked offense so that to me is kind of telling of wait, wait, wait. so they've they literally have had the like for a while it was the bottom floor offensive team they're still 13 and 10 and it's it's unlikely that they get it's possible they get more injury bad luck or get worse but those things to me are unlikely like this feels like a floor moment to me so if anything like i'm looking the other way where it's like if i could find if they didn't play in this fucking division i would definitely be looking to bet them for the division but i can't because then i have to be like i don't want to bet against the suns right now i just don't want to bet against the suns so yeah. The only thing with the Clippers is they are they are thirteen ten, but their their net rating is negative. So I think yeah. and I think yep. you, you can cut that both ways. You could say they've kind of floated this time where they're you know not in great shape, and they those are some key flips of of losses into wins. Or or it could be this team with the core they have isn't quite what they were last year, and if Paul George continues to be in and out of the lineup they aren't going to float at, you know, a 44 win pace. They're going to float at a 36 win pace. They're they're like the inverse Celtics, right? Where with Boston, Boston's like, the resume says that we're the best team of all time offensively. <laughs> the resume yeah. says that we should be the title favorites by way more. Like the number should probably be plus 100 for us to win the title. Look at what the resume says. Have you seen our CV? And everyone's and like people like me are. I have a column coming out today on this. Are like, okay, so let me get this straight. You've never looked like this before. You've never your offense has never looked like this. And now you're the greatest offense of all time. Like literally the greatest offense of all time. And with the the Clippers, it's the opposite. Where it's like they were one of the top offenses for years and years and years. When Kawhi was out, when Kawhi was there, when PG was out, when PG was there, they shot great from three point range. All these types of things. And now they're the magic. Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of it goes too because I think so, we were high on the Clippers in the offseason. And uh, it's not something that I'm proud of right now, but like I have some Clippers features. So it's kind of a way, like in my portfolio of things, it's like, look, like if, because if they all come together, then it's like, great. Now I have some like other features alive, but like it's also like the opposite in the spectrum. I think kind of the way that you're looking at the Nets almost like that's kind of how I view the Clippers. It's like they're either going to figure it out and they're going to be ex- like exceptional or they're going to be just like whatever this is and probably regress even more because like one of the things that like uh, in terms of like wind differential right now, like cleaning the glass as a stat, the Clippers are number one. They have two and a half more wins than expected yep. based on like what their net rating is and like offensive defense uh, points scored. So it's, it's a toss up for me. And look, that number does tend to be, be, uh, it does tend to be predictive in season. I talked a lot in the win totals about how it's not predictive year over year in the win totals episodes that we did. And that's worked out yeah. very well. Guess who was really high in the overperforming and then had a number too low Sacramento Kings. But uh, it does tend to be predictive in season where those teams will slowly start to head back towards what that number indicates. The question with the Clippers is just like, yeah, but what if they stop playing like ass? Like what if they just <laughs> stop playing like ass? Um, yeah. So the only one in the Western Conference that I have looked at, I think the Wolves at plus 108 has a little bit of value. 
I think buying low on the Towns injury right now, we saw them get the win versus the Grizzlies. I wonder if this is just going to help them. Anthony Edwards looked so freed up, so happy, had a great game versus Memphis. Like this is the opportunity I think Anthony Edwards needed and they need to get Anthony Edwards going. And if they can find an identity, it could be bad for Carl Anthony Towns long-term, but I think it could help this team in the short term just with like, hey, we're going to run pick and roll with D'Angelo Russell and Rudy Gobert, and that's a pretty good combination. And then Anthony Edwards gets to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Um, I think there might be a little bit of value there. The other one, quite honestly, is the Lakers. Look, yep. they got a top five defense. If we if we take the names off the jerseys and we get rid of all the clutch nonsense and we just get into you have a player playing like Anthony Davis has been playing as of late. He's going to get hurt. That's fine. But he is that good. And you have a, a top five defense doesn't that look like more of a playoff team than not? And the answer is probably, yeah. yeah. Right. Especially when you get a number that's, that's above 200. I don't want to bet it because of, of various reasons, but I do think the Lakers, if you're looking at it, the Lakers may be the best value um, on the board. Let's yeah. go to, and let's talk a little bit about prop strategies for 2022. I want to get your guys' thoughts about this. So offenses have gone absolutely berserk. It is wild. Now we've seen the list of top offenses all time over at basketball reference is the top 20 is entirely teams from 2017 to 2022, 23. That's the entire list, except for the 1987 Lakers who I believe are 19th. Okay. So we have inflation essentially in offense. Like that's what's going on here is the numbers are just very inflated and I don't really know like what to do about it. I don't know. The only thing I can really think of is, hey, maybe let the defense actually guard people and not get called for fouls um, that are complete bullshit. <laughs> I don't think they will. I asked Michael Malone, coach of the Nuggets, about this the other night, and he was like, look, the league made decisions based off of the marketability of the league, but it makes it really hard to defend. And that seems to kind of check out. Because not only are we seeing all these great team scoring offenses, but just like Devin Booker goes for 55 on six of seven from three and KD's popping off 40 pointers every night. Chris Depp's Porzingis drops 41. Steph's got 47. There's all these wild performances. Um, Joe, I want to start with you. When we look at the yeah. offensive explosion and how these things have gone, what's the market done this year in regards to how many overs we're seeing and the level of scoring that we're seeing overall across the league? Yeah, so I mean, I think that we're seeing teams play with uh, a little bit more nuance, at least in terms of their offense. Um, and there's not as much of a just like, all right, well, we're just going to shoot threes because of math. Um, like we're seeing that for some teams like Utah or like teams that don't necessarily maybe have as much talent overall on the roster, uh, just because that's like a way for them to kind of bridge the gap. But I think you're seeing a lot of guys that are like, for lack of a better word, like they're a bucket. And we're seeing that. Um, and I saw a tweet today uh, by Tom Bassine. He was, he, it was actually about how the effective field goal percentage of twos has passed the effective field goal percentage of threes. And I found that to be particularly interesting because it's like one of the first times in ages, uh, if ever. Um, and the difference was significant uh, for at least the past 15 years. And then it's kind of steadily climbed over the past, say, five or so and now finally you're seeing two pointers like go over that i think you're seeing like a lot more efficiency and the types of shots that teams are taking it's like it's with more thought and it's with more process and it's like it's a little bit more precision so instead of going in with like a steak knife you're going in with that like little pairing tool and you're like this is exactly how we are going to attack 
you in this spot. And you're seeing that like offensive intention. And I think the scheming is better. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's so many, like not only good guards, but you have so many forwards and centers that are capable of dishing and they can also spread the floor. So you can do a little bit more in terms of opening up the offense. And it's important that your centers can take threes, but it's opening up a lot of twos or like a lot much better looks. And I think that's really what's going on. And we're seeing that like in action now, because now it's not just like, all right, yeah, like let's spread the floor and then we'll, we'll take a bunch of threes. It's like, all right, like we'll spread the floor, but our center is going to find you on a no look pass cutting into the basket. So I think that's what's going on right now. And it's not just about pace. It's about like efficiency and the way that these offenses are really being run. Yeah. Jim, what are your thoughts when it comes to how the market has kind of reacted to the numbers on the board? Like, I don't necessarily know that the market's inefficient. I'm just curious on your overall thoughts on, on kind of where you think uh, the market is this season in relation to all of these crazy performances. Yeah. I, th- I think you can kind of tell with in the, especially in the player prop market that like you look at someone like Steph or Luca and these guys are averaging two to three points above kind of what is expected. And the books have been kind of slow at times to, mm-hmm. to make that adjustment. Um, I, I wish I had right in front of me the the number of times Curry has gone over his uh, points per game prop, but that has been one of the best props this season. Um, they've slowly moved it up and up, but um, it, the books can be pretty conservative with it, with that kind of stuff. And it, it usually pays out to their benefit. But um, I think it, the books sometimes can struggle a little bit with extremes. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think there is a, a very fair hesitation among smart bettors to uh, look to like buy points ever. Um, that's not usually an expected value positive play, um, especially if you're doing something like NFL, you don't really want to be buying points. But if you take it to an extreme, sometimes those markets where it, like someone like a Luca scoring 40, um, uh, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, 15 assists, some of those crazy numbers are hitting a little bit more common than I think. I have noticed at least the, the the book seemed a little bit slow on those extremes this year. Um, so again, I, I sometimes hesitate in terms of plays, recommending plays that are, you know, in the realm of buying points or moving towards um, where there's no, no to it. Right. You don't want, uh, there's never going to be a Tyrese Halliburton to not uh, dish out 15 assists. So those, those markets can sometimes be a little skewed, but this year, because of the extremes in the offense, um, I have noticed that those have been, for 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 betters who love to live on that side of things, those are at least a little bit more um, beneficial than than they have been in the past. Sixty five percent is Steph's hit rate versus where his current number is. So that tells you, and that current number has been coming up because yeah. it started at like twenty six five or something. Yeah, it was yeah. it was crazy low. You're you're one hundred percent right. And I mean, I think what you're kind of saying too, Jim, about like the way that they the odds like don't necessarily match up. It's like when we're looking at these props um, I always look at things in terms of what the, what the number is actually telling me. And it's like, this number is about probability. It's not like, sure. Like it's about my payout, but like, it's really more about what, what is your probability here? So if I, if I'm getting a line where it's say it's even plus 200, so it's an implied 33.3% chance that this hits and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this has literally happened in half of the games. Yeah. Obviously you need to cap it a little bit, you know, in terms of like, is it a good matchup? Is it this, is it that? But you're inherently getting some value in this line because the guy's done it in half the games compared to what they're offer, you know, what they're offering you and saying, this only is going to happen one third of the time. 
Um, so I think that you're spot on with that. Like, it's like, if you're, if you find an edge, you can hammer it. Uh, and I think it's good to take advantage of it sooner because they do start to adjust lines where it's like Curry, for example, like you said, he was at like 26 and a half, uh, for a large portion portion of the season. He had that 30 point stretch where you could get 30 at like plus 170, And then you get 35 at like plus 250 plus plus 300 plus 400. And it's like that edge and that difference in the odds, like you get on it late, you're not getting the same value as you are like five games ago. If you were kind of reading this like a little bit sooner. So you kind of mentioned like the escalator or like the ladder, right. Or like playing at one number. And then like, there's the the better juice at the higher numbers. How do you guys determine what you're going to spend on in terms of a bankroll distribution on a night to night basis on those escalators? Jim, I'll start with you. Yeah, I I typically will save the escalators for one, you know, if it's a one unit play and it's a player, there's two things I'll look at. If it's a one unit play and it's a player who has variance in their stats. So like I'll go to the game log and look at like if it's someone, and I, I wish I had a name right off the top of my head, who's just very consistent with their numbers. They're putting up 20, 10, and five every night, and there's not not crazy variants that I've seen either this season or in seasons past. I'm probably not gonna look for an escalator, but if it's someone who who is kind of all over the place and there is again maybe towards that extreme maybe not quite the uh the books aren't quite accounting for how extreme that player can be in their in their stat line i'll look to do if it's a you know full unit on the um the standard line then maybe like a half unit um one up and a quarter unit one past that and that's maybe for something in like the assist of threes that's a little bit lower points it would be the same but it you know change it to 25 30 35 and um because you can't really buy a point for for points per game i think that's fair i mean i'm kind of similar in terms of what i'm doing uh i i actually i've been using smaller amounts on the the latter portion or like the, you know, the alternate lines of the, of these plays. And it's in large part because I was thinking about, I was, I ran into this issue last year and it's part of something that I learned, like, as I was doing this more and it was like, I was using the baseline to cover my alternate lines. And if I didn't hit an alternate, then it was basically like I was either a wash or I was basically like juicing out. And when I was really doing the math, like underlying that, I was like, this isn't smart. Like I should need to be winning money no matter what, um, if the bet hits like the original bet, and then like I can sprinkle the alternate. So it's like, yeah, like maybe like if I bet a full unit and I come and I bring back, say it's like a minus 110 play and I'm bringing back 0.91, uh, as well. Like, I don't want to be spending the 0.91 on the, the alternate parts of it. Like I want to be using maybe like, 0.2 in terms of the alternates and it's like do it like 0.15 and like 0.05 or something like that so just because i think it's easier to bankroll manage and i think you can get like a little like alt line happy when you see these spots yeah uh, just because you're like well this is fun like this guy's gonna hit five threes and it's just like it's unreal it's not likely even if there is value um the players that i like to target though it's kind of like what you said it's either in a new role or it's somebody that like, I actually really like to target role players specifically as opposed to superstars, because I think superstars always have inflated lines, especially in the regular season. Like sure, Luke is going to score 40 every so often, or like Booker's going to score 30, 35, 40, whatever. But like those guys, you're already getting that prop line is pretty much like where they're like the top of their general expectation or like their top of their deviation of the, their bell curve, so to speak. 
Um, with the role players, I think that you have a lot more exponential advantages there. So like if you have a guy that's going to, that their prop line set at six and a half, for example, but they score 20, that's a much bigger difference in terms of like what the difference between the six and a half is and the 20 than somebody going from 30 points to 35 based on what their line is. So I think you're getting a lot more of an advantage or like a lot more of an edge, especially in the lines, because there's only so many points that can be scored in a game. But the difference for somebody to score six to 10 is only maybe like two buckets, but you're getting like maybe like plus 300 instead of minus 110. So when we talk about the props that you guys have loved this season, I want you guys to give me a prop that you just can't quit. Like what's one you've been going to the well on consistently? Joe, we'll start with you. Well, obviously, I you guys know, like I've been betting a ton of Halliburton, but they've kind of adjusted on you? him. No, <laughs> <laughs> they have. They have. It's because like he should win. He should win all the awards. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I've been I've been betting on him. Sabonis lately has been excellent at his five and a half assist mark. Um, they just moved it up to six and a half. And I think there's still some value there just based on the fact that offense is so uh, high paced and it's been so excellent lately, but the guy that I've been trying to get, and this might be our last little breath to get him uh, is Joel Embiid's over assist line without Maxi at Harden. He's averaging um, basically over like over six assists a game without those guys uh, without, without both Maxi and without Harden. And he's actually been crushing this. He's got uh six, seven, six, eight, eight, six with like in a row without, without these guys. Um, and they've continued to set the line at like three and a half and then four and a half, even at plus money. Um, so we just saw that at four and a half against the Cavs, he had six. Um, and by the time it tipped that actually flipped to minus money. So I would expect that line to be in a similar situation, especially against the um, Memphis Grizzlies because of like, you know, they have Steven Adams, they have Jaron Jackson Jr. or whatever. I think we'll still see a four and a half. And I think you just have to play it. When they when Harden comes back, though, I think that it's a significant swing in what Embiid does. And he's only touched uh four or more assists basically in two games with Harden. So I'm not that it's it's a dramatic swing for him. Uh so I think this is one spot where maybe once Harden comes back, we might be able to pivot hard the opposite way, depending on where they adjust his line. Jim, what's the, the prop that you have absolutely loved this season that you keep going back to? Yeah, I want to I want to build off of what Joe said really quick, because I actually, I love I love using that logic, too, of, of a guy coming back or uh, a guy leaving with an injury. And so what one that uh, will be a pivot point for me as well is OG and Anobi. His points mm-hmm. overs had been great when Siakam was out. Um, and uh, let's see, I, I wrote it down here somewhere, but he, so he was averaging 22 a, a night with Siakam out. He's averaging 15, six a night, um, when Siakam's playing and they've set the line at 18 and a half. So it's really perfect either way. If Siakam is, is in, we go under, if he's out, we go over. And it's, it, it's, again, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier with the extremes. It's like, it's hard to pivot. It's hard for the books to pivot that quick and, and think that it's, you know, a, a logical, move but in some cases it is um but to answer your main question um my absolute favorite prop this season has been uh deanthe melton steals going off of the escalators we were talking about um his main line they, they keep setting at so one and a half steals which is insane every time i i open up the app i'm like they they must boost it tonight and they they haven't but here's here's his number of steals every game since um maxi went out and he went into the starting lineup 
You got five, three, four, four, three, two, and three. Mm. And yet you can get minus 115 for him to get two steals, which is absolutely insane. And they're offering about, I think last night, I want to say it was plus 300 for him to get three steals, which to Joe's point earlier, like this is a, a thing that has happened in uh, what six of seven of the games without when, when he's without maxi uh, but, but we're getting plus 300 and it's just at some point they're going to adjust the line. But for now, it's just been uh, a beautiful gravy train um, that, that has, has proven very, very beneficial so far. Um, all right. So we're going to go ahead and move to Friday best bets. We're going to talk about the, what we've got for, on the slate for Friday. Uh, we'll go ahead and go around here. Uh, I will go ahead and start off. I just need to start, like, every time I do this show, I just need to do, like, the God help me bet because I keep betting these. I had Knicks plus six. Thank you, Jesus, for the missed free throw for that push on the plus six. Really, honestly, Tibbs, if he just – I got to remember that Tibbs will always keep fouling no matter how late it is. Really got to remember that. I should have had the – no, I'll even say I should have had the cover. I'm glad to get out with the plus six. Um. I'm going back to the well and I'm fading the bucks again and I'm doing it with a much worse team and I'm doing it in Milwaukee. Uh, I'm taking the Lakers. I got this plus seven and a half when it popped. That was before the announcement that Middleton's going to play. What's interesting is that this member was plot was seven and a half. Middleton got reported that he's going to play and it only moved to eight as we're sitting here on Thursday night. So to me that that's an indication that the books factored that into the line. Um, based off of regular season numbers. Okay. I have this based off of matchup, how the two teams, because the bucks have a bad half court offense and the Lakers have an excellent half court defense. That's going to create a little bit of a tilt with my numbers. So my matchup number has this at like bucks minus two, which is way too short. My power rating has this minus six. That's a little bit closer. And you go, okay, well, it's six. And if we add in Middleton, how much do you think mid's worth of the spread? We get over this number. But you have to remember the Lakers have been without LeBron and AD for most of the season. So we add those two guys back in and we make that adjustment on the number. We still come out to where I've got a little bit of an edge on this. I just think this is going to be an ugly, ugly, low scoring game. I think it's going to be, I think the Lakers transition defense has been pretty good. I think the Bucs are awesome. I think the Bucs will be a superpower, but in the first game where mid comes back, might be a little rusty. Been a while since he played. He hasn't been in an NBA game in a long ass time. It has been a lot like since early last spring. So uh, I want to fade that a little bit coming back and I'm comfortable go ahead and doing Lakers plus seven and a half. The other one that I like on the slate is Cavs minus nine and a half versus the magic. This is just a number play. I make this solid double digits across the board. Um, I will add one more just because I think it's more interesting than the Cavs bet. I'm going back to the well Boston minus eight and a half here. It's down to yeah. eight. Uh, Jimmy Butler is likely to play in this game. So this is in the app. You can follow it in the Action Network app. I've got the whole description of why I did this. This number, I think, is in between on Jimmy Butler. So I think it basically is like it was eight and a half at open because they did a point off of the nine and a half at close for the first game of these of this two game set uh, to account for the possibility of Jimmy playing. And if he plays, I think this moves another point. So the question is, Matt, why did you bet it? Because if he doesn't play, it goes the other way. And I get value on the back end. So if he doesn't make it, if he's not feeling up for it and he can't play on Friday night, I get value. If this goes, this is at eight right now. If it goes to seven, I will bet it again. I will bet it again in this spot. Um, I found this trend. And I absolutely love it. 
teams that are favored and they face the same team twice in back-to-back games, these little baseball series sets, if you're favored and you win the first one, you win and cover the second one at basically 60% since 2020. Like it's just been a really consistent trend throw on top of it. The fact that I can't get this number single digits, even with Jimmy Butler back. I can't, I can't get this to single digits, but the, the Celtics have been too good. So that's why I'm on that. So, so those three Lakers plus seven and a half Cavs minus nine and a half and Celtics at whatever the number settles at. You should, you should wait. It's fine to wait. We'll see if Jimmy's yeah. going to play and then play it. But I will tell you that any number that this settles at, I'm going to feel good about the Lakers. Uh, Jim, let's talk about you. What do you like for the slate on Friday? Yeah, I uh, honestly, I, I thought it was a pretty sharp slate. I, I On Wednesday, I was looking through and I found, you know, half dozen sides and, and totals. I was like, oh, I like that. I like that. Um, when I was looking at Friday, I was like, oh, man, that they I think they sniffed out the, the under in Cleveland, Orlando, and maybe the opposite, Indiana, Utah. That was an over I was looking at, but they, they said a pretty good number. Um, the one that did grab me, though, uh, I like Pelicans minus seven. Um, I think this number's a little low and partially because of what you've talked about all season is they're, they're hedging on injuries, right? So there's a lot of different guys for the Pelicans who could either be in or out. There's Ingram, there's Herb Jones, or CJ McCollum. Um, the latest says that Ingram and Jones are, are probably not going to play and that McCollum is questionable. He's one of the ones coming back from uh, COVID and he did practice. I know that doesn't guarantee a play, but honestly, regardless, um, if he's if all three are ruled out and this number goes down, I, I still kind of like the play because to me, this comes down to the Spurs interior defense is like tissue paper and Zion Williamson is just going to absolutely shred it. And that, that was their defense before Pirtle got hurt too. They don't even have Pirtle. So Zion and Valanciunas, um, to me, Pelicans, they thrive in the paint. I, that Spurs team had a couple of lucky wins at the beginning and I think is inflating lines, maybe a point as well. That, that Spurs team is really bad. And the Pelicans team is looking really good. And they're one of those teams that we've said all year, they, they kind of roll deep. They've got a really good bench. They they sub in for guys. They've had a lot of injuries in and out, and they really haven't missed a step. Um, so I, I think the one spot I'd be eyeing on on Friday in particular would be that Pelicans minus seven. I kind of like it better if if Ingram doesn't play. <laughs> so, <laughs> like one, the number will be better, right? Like you're, yeah. you get, you'll you'll get a better number Definitely. if Ingram doesn't play, uh, and McCollum as well. I loved how they looked versus the Raptors. I. I I did a whole deep dive on the, on the Pels earlier this season. And the big takeaway was they don't know how to play when it's, when it's the two big ball dominant guards, Zion and JV, they just, they don't know how to do that. They're better playing Zion, like point Zion. They looked awesome. You have to double him, And he's a good passer. I don't know what they're going to do about it, but it, it, boy, they, they absolutely jumped up and down on the Raptors heads. Now, I think Toronto, when I went back and watched, Toronto was doing some stuff that was uncharacteristic, and you saw it with Van Vliet gets ejected, right? Nurse picks up a tech. That's not unusual. Nurse always picks up a tech for bitching. But Bear. like in general, I thought that their effort was poor. And I, I so I, I want to not overreact to the Pelicans, but I like the structural look of them. And I will say, like, look, based off of numbers, I should be on this. Um it's it's curious. <laughs> I just said that there's no such thing as a trap game. I I, <laughs> I don't necessarily understand why this number is single digits. It doesn't feel like the Spurs should be single digits to anybody right now. Home, away, back to back, on the moon. Don't don't care. I think it's the, the, the injury worries, and I think we both don't mind the injuries. So I, yeah. I think you should join me. 
Yeah, I probably will. Uh, Joe, what do you got for me? <laughs> Uh, so I do, there's a prop that I'm eyeing. There's no line on it yet, but it's from that game. So I'm going to piggyback real quick. Uh, I do like Devin Vassell, his three point prop last time out, he made four against the Spurs. That was a couple weeks ago. It's pretty or four against the Pelicans. Rather. It's a pretty high scoring game. The Pelicans allow a lot of threes and they've done a pretty good job defending the three ball, but with a guy like Vassell, I prefer him over Keldon in this particular spot because he's a little bit more efficient. And I like that line. It should probably come around like either two and a half or maybe like a really like plus money three and a half. Um, I like the sell in that spot. The other game that's the other, there's actually a line for it. So I can talk about it a little bit better is the Warriors minus seven versus the Bulls. Uh, the Warriors have actually won the last 10 games against the Bulls. And I get that that's going back a bit where it's like, all right, like these teams aren't really the same, but I think it kind of is like a mojo thing. And it's like, yeah, like the Warriors come here, like we play the Warriors and we just get shit pumped. And that's pretty much what goes on. And a lot of it, I think, has to do, especially this season, with Chicago has a top five defense. The problem is they allow a lot of threes and they allow the sec they have the second worst three-point percentage allowed as a team. If you're playing the Golden State Warriors, what do you think they're gonna do to you? So like I think that this seven is just short. The Warriors are pretty healthy right now. Um, I, I really like the, I like the spot. I think that there's a little bit, I think there's already been some sharp action on the Warriors at the minus seven. Um, and I like, I, I just think that the spot is too good in terms of matchup where the Warriors that they're going to get great looks from three. And basically like, unless they just have one of those games where they just can't find like shoot a ball in the ocean. Um, I think that they should really be able to take care of the bulls, uh, in this spot. I don't know what to do with Golden State because I have to power rate them so differently home versus away. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it's it's definitely like a concern because their road numbers. I I agree with you. I think their road numbers are like they're. I mean, they're obviously worse, but at the same time, um, it just seems like you know. But they're home here, you know, yeah. and and I think one one of the spots I'm going to be curious about is the Bulls have actually been really good in the third quarter. And the Warriors are normally exceptional in the third yeah. quarter, but at home, not on the road. So, like, you know, like, we got this spot. The Warriors are at home. I, I think that might be, like, neutralizes that a little bit for Chicago, maybe that edge that they normally have against other teams in the third quarter. And uh, I, I think that the role players for Golden State should also, in theory, play better at home. Uh, it does seem to work that way. So, I think the seven is – the seven seems like a lot – but it's also one of those, it's like, all right, well, like Curry and Clay might just hit back-to-back threes, and you're like, all right, well, like, we're almost there now. Uh, and, you know, at, at that number, I think that it's fine to lay it with the Warriors. All right, let's go wrap it up. Thanks for joining us. You can follow Jim on Twitter at TurvyBets, as well as in the Action Network app. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Delera. You can find me on Twitter at HP Basketball. Download the award-winning Action Network app. For the best way to track your bets, you get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. You get all of our podcasts, you get all of our content, all of our videos, so much cool stuff. Check it out, the Action Network app. My thanks to David for producing this episode. We'll see you guys again next week. We'll be back on Monday with the recap episode with Albert Wynn, the analytics capper. Until then, let's get buckets.